We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And baby! Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the Wazzaro In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Hooping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode here of Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast. The Golden State Warriors had a great all-star game practice against the Indiana Pacers tonight as they beat them 131-109. to This Indiana Pacers team did not show up from start to finish. Steph Curry was unbelievable, Fauci. He had 42 points on 22 shots, 15-22 to from the field, 11-16 of from three. Honestly, the only Pacer that really showed up tonight was Jalen Smith, who was 6-6 of from the field but did not return in the second half. Fauci, what a crap show of a game. It was awful. I mean, this was like, you know, this wasn't like uh, the Pacers giving up 150. Oh, my God. It's like they died a slow death in this game. Gold State came out, putting up 45 points in that first quarter. That set the tone for the game. I mean, Steph Curry, the shots that he was making, I had tweeted it out. To anyone else, you could be like, oh, come on, that's so lucky. And then you realize, nope, he's pretty much hit all of them. This is what he does. This is why he is a historic player. I know 15 of 22 is what he shot in this game, but there was a span where he was 10 of 11 in this game. And it just looked like everything he shot was going in. And uh, I think Pacers, the players, the fans, everyone was in awe at times of of this performance. 42 points by Curry. 
I mean, this is why he's one of the greats. Yeah, I mean, just some quick numbers here. The the, the Warriors shot 55.9% from the field, 53.1% from three. They out-rebounded Indiana 49-30, to 30, Fachi, and they out, uh, dominated the Pacers 64-44 to 44 for points in the paint, an area the Pacers have been number one in. The league, at, I think they might even be there right now, but they were number one there for a while. Uh, the largest lead for the Warriors is 25, the largest lead for the Pacers. Well, they never had a lead in this game. Yep. So this was one of those ugly games that it's really like hard to pinpoint like one or two things that caused it. But I definitely feel like we talked about this a couple days ago, how the trade deadline could have a ripple effect on the Warriors. I think it was the exact opposite. Had a huge ripple effect on the Pacers. And honestly, just their psyche. They did not see him into this game. And I feel like the Buddy Hill trade did have more of an impact mentally than people realize. It's very possible. I mean, Buddy was a very well-liked teammate, and, and I I just felt like from early on, the Pacers did not have it. They didn't respond, and, and it just felt like they had no answer for Curry. And I understand, look, you know, not no one's going to shut him down, but they looked, the Pacers just looked sluggish. I mean, Halliburton didn't have a point by halftime. It just felt like they weren't able to kind of get in, in the rhythm of what they wanted to. And I know this isn't a Pacers team that's known for getting stops, but in the first half, they really couldn't get any of them. And, and then when you wonder about how will they respond after halftime, well, Alex, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't come out the gates the way that you want them to. 18 points in the third quarter. It just felt like, I don't want to say going through the motions, but for an Indiana team that's been explosive all season, they didn't have it on offense, and they most definitely didn't have it on defense. No, they didn't. And I mean, honestly, like you cannot blame this entire game on like not having Buddy Hield. Obviously, it's way bigger than that. I don't think anybody's really trying to do that, but it just comes down to it like this, Fachi. This Pacers team, they didn't show up, period. And, you know, I'm I'm in a group chat and a lot of the a lot of the question marks was like, what are we doing? Like, why are we playing down to such a bad team? Well, my whole thought process is like the Warriors really can't afford to lose a lot of games. They're really clawing their way back into the playoff standing. So they've got to take every game like it's game seven of a playoff series because that's how much each win matters to them. And I feel like they were just more mentally focused, mentally prepared, but they were on the second night of a back-to-back. Indiana wasn't, and it definitely felt like roles were flipped. I mean, everything in this game just pointed to Indiana was not mentally ready. So I'm just hoping that after this kind of day goes by, they let the trade happen, and it just kind of like they move on from it. I'm hoping they bounce back Saturday against the Knicks, but I just feel like with with, with this team and where they're at, and with Tyrese coming back from injury, the all-star break just around the corner, like this is not the time to take your foot off the brake or off the gas, Fachi. The, the Pacers really need to continue to put their foot on the gas and go into that also break with momentum. Like we were hoping after two games in a row of winning that they would be able to do that, but no, no effort, no show tonight. And it's one of 82, but you say that about 10, 15 times a year, like those start to add up. They really do. And I know Clay Thompson hasn't necessarily been playing well lately, but this was a, a Warriors team that benched Clay Thompson and they, they still, they took it to the Pacers. So it, it, they're obviously they're without Chris Paul as well. I know he's having a down year, but it just felt like there's no excuses to make the Warriors kept on pushing. They came into Indiana. They took care of business. That was a team that, that a Warriors team that was not good on the road and not awful, but at the same point they were, you know, 10, 12 coming into this game. They handled business. But like for Indiana, I mean, the one thing that you really did have going for you in that first quarter was Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith was playing great. Obviously, mm. the back spasm that you mentioned earlier, hopefully that's something that, that won't linger. I think in a game where Indiana really felt out of it, 
It's good that he did not return. I started wondering at one point, do you shut down Tyrese Halliburton early? Because the Pacers were never a threat in this game. And I know Halliburton got 11 assists is great, but like I just started looking around at the team and being like, are, are they all tired? Like, is it just, is it that point in the season where the all-star break is within reach and you're, you're kind of just looking a little bit forward to a break? I don't know. I hope that's not the case because the Pacers do still have a few games before that all-star break, but Alex, I think we're both in agreement. They they just didn't respond. They looked sluggish. And when you look at this Warriors team, the Warriors got up 12 more shots than Indiana. I mean, that's a lot. We obviously talked about just how blistering uh, uh, that the Warriors shot from three-point land. But Indiana had opportunities. They had 27 free throws just to the Warriors 13. So it's like normally we're saying, hey, you know what? Indiana doesn't get the foul calls. We don't get to the line enough. We did get to the line enough. But mm-hmm. – you know, the other stats that you mentioned, this is now back-to-back games where the Pacers have been crushed on the glass, like really, really bad. Out-rebounded by 19 tonight uh, against, uh, let's see, it was uh, last game against the Rockets. It was surprising that that didn't play a yeah. big enough effect because uh, Indiana was out-rebounded 48-25. to Yeah in that stretch how many games are you going to win when you're out rebounded by about 20 or more we saw it kind of happen against houston which seems like a fluke but against golden state that was beyond not the case yeah i mean you talk about that all-star break flashy if there's anybody that looks ready for the all-star break uh more than miles turner tell me who it is because that guy looks two two steps slow since he's come back from his injury uh we talked about him having a good game against charlotte i think that was me just being nice I, I didn't Charlotte, feel like he was great in that too. game. He was no, fine. Yeah. But he he just does not look like himself. I felt like Jalen Smith has outplayed him the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to get on like the I'm not a fan of Turner bandwagon because I'm not saying that. But, man, he has just really been struggling. And I'd rather him shut it down for the next three games if he's not feeling right, if he's not healthy, and, and let Smith and Jackson kind of play that role. Because I feel like at certain times this year – you can say Jalen Smith has been the better center in games with Miles Turner has participated in. And this was one of those games tonight. I mean, I know Turner ended up being like second in points, but like, come on. This to me was not a good Turner game, and he was getting obliterated defensively. I mean, uh, Santos just hit back-to-back-to-back threes on him in the fourth quarter like Turner wasn't even trying. And then Kaminga comes barreling down the paint, and Turner doesn't even try to step up and block the shot. Like, that's who Miles used to be. I just feel like exactly. he's taking a step back, and I I don't know if it's an injury problem, if he's just tired. But, you know, even his biggest supporter, JMV, a, a, a guest of the show and radio host here in Indiana, he loves Miles Turner. He even said, something does not look right, and I'm not playing doctor, and I'm not trying to diagnose anybody, but he just looks two steps slow, Foch. He does. And, you know, you talked about just – this used to be the guy that we called the greatest shot blocker on the planet. That talk has, has definitely died down. And you just want Turner to get back to where he was a couple of years ago when he did have, you know, a right to say, hey, you know, he should be on an all-defensive team. That that hasn't been the case for, honestly, about two years now. And I think that when you look at this schedule coming up, you play, you play New York. Now, New York got absolutely, they're in the process of getting just waxed by, I guess it's only an 11-point game now, but it was, it was 20 points a little while ago. Jalen Brunson's hurt. They made some trades. I don't know you know, what that Knicks team will look like on Saturday, but after that, the Pacers have a 
winnable stretch against Charlotte and Toronto. And I think in that situation, you really have to debate shutting a player down for just a game or two to give them like a full, I mean, a full week to 10 days off. And I think that that could do this team wonders right now because they've been banged up all season. I think it's always been someone going in the lineup, someone going out. But a guy like Turner, I, I do think that we've heard the chatter about back injury for a lot of the season. I feel like he's played through it. It's the only thing I could point to as to why he does not look like vintage Miles Turner. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's weird because it's like I was like looking at the numbers the other day because I was like, I feel like he's not played that good this year. And the numbers are still relatively close. But I, I just don't understand <laughs> – I don't understand the inconsistency with him. And I think that's the most frustrating part about Miles is when he's at his best, he is a really good player and he makes you believe he can be a top five, top seven center in this league. But when he plays, you know, uninspired basketball, he looks like a very replaceable guy. So he's got this great opportunity in front of him, but you know, this is his last year where he has an extra year in his contract because come next summer, he'll be a, you know, he'll be an expiring contract. So we're going to have to have those conversations here in the next six, seven months about like, what do the Pacers do with him moving forward? What kind of extension do they get, give him? Do they give him one? Do they maybe think they can go out there and find a better deal with the center? Do they try to trade him and get something? I mean, there's just a lot of options moving forward, but for the season, he's obviously, you don't want to get too far down the road, but he just really needs to get refreshed. I know he's going to be participating in all-star week and be here quite a bit, being ambassador of the city. Like that's all great stuff. Like he's, such a great part of the the franchise and the organization in terms of endorsing the city and that kind of thing. But I don't know. I just something about the way he's played. Hopefully this is a wake up call. If he's not injured to just kick some butt against New York after the Pacers lost that one last time on the road, they'll have their chance for revenge. But you know, other than that, I mean, Halliburton did not play good tonight either. Fachi. I mean, we can't let him off the hook either. No, we cannot. Nope. And, and look, you know, for everyone who's going to say, oh, come on, don't you pin this loss on Turner. It's not on Turner by any means. This was just a, a collective effort of not showing up. For for Halliburton, look, we know that he's not 100% healthy by any means. We we get that. But I couldn't think of a quieter game from Halliburton from an offensive standpoint. Even when he's been hurt, it still feels like, okay, at his worst, he can give you, I don't know, close to 15. He finished the game five points, two of seven shooting. I, you know, he had a, a couple turnovers, a rough turnover right before halftime where he just kind of looked like, I don't know, whatever it was. He just kind of bobbled the ball out of bounds. Um, and I just feel that uh, it looked like he was kind of turning a corner. You know, good performance against Houston, 18 points. That was the most that he'd scored since he'd been back. But just didn't have it tonight. I felt that he could have been a little bit more aggressive at halftime, just 0 of 3. Uh, from the field, and, uh, you know, I, I wanted to see a little bit more. I wanted to see him force it a little bit, and he really wasn't. And I, I think that in a game where you're going up against Steph Curry, you better bring it. And I think tonight he, he just didn't have it. I mean, in specific, one-shot attempt in the first quarter, just two in the second quarter. Uh, I felt like, you know, you wanted to try and match Curry's intensity a little bit. Curry put up six threes in the first quarter. He hit yeah. them all. Like, you can't expect – uh your franchise player to do that because that's that's like a Steph Curry thing. But I wanted to see a little bit of a duel. We didn't get it tonight. No, and I mean honestly, like let's just be honest. <laughs> Ste- uh, excuse me, Tyrese Halliburton getting having the ripple effects of the Buddy Hill trade were impacting him tonight. There is no yeah, doubt about possible. it. it if is- you look at the photo of him walking into the tunnel, 
I'm not trying to read body language, but he looks usually happier when he walks in. He looked like he did not seem super happy. And then you look on the court when he was presented with the uh, the All Star Game starter. You know they they honored him tonight before the game. Kevin Pritchard was out there, and the smile that he put on his face did not look like the most genuine Halliburton smile. So, I think personally, just from my you know point of view, it looked like this was really bothering him, and I can understand that. Buddy Hill's been his teammate since he came into oh, yeah. the league. Mm-hmm. They've been very, very, very close friends, and so for this deal to happen, like I'm sure, like part of the reason he was so like blunt about saying what Buddy Hill means to this team, he was probably trying to say the the franchise like don't trade him right now. It's not the right time, but the franchise has to make business decisions without always worrying about what Tyrese Halliburton thinks. And I think they could have talked to him about it. Who knows? I'm all speculation here, but that just to me looked like it. And I mean. Usually, usually Tyrese Halliburton gets up for these type of games, even despite having the injury. He looked totally different on Tuesday against the Rockets. So I I don't know if he's still battling with the injury and it's, you know, maybe it flared up again. I don't think it did. I just think that tonight he just looked a little emotionally dejected from this game. And hopefully, you know, after letting it go, like getting past this point of the, the trade and everything and moving on, like he'll be fine. But yeah, you can definitely tell he just did not seem like himself either. No, he didn't, and I, I just felt like while Curry was being aggressive from a shooting standpoint, you know, one thing I want to give Tyrese credit for is he did have seven first-quarter assists, yeah. but I felt that I wanted him to look for a shot a little bit more, and we know, look, he is a pass-first point guard that happens to average over 20 points per game, so I mean, look, it, it's great, but I felt like there was a time where it's like, okay, we got to get him going, we got to get him going, and we never did, and I think that all your points that you made about feeling, you know, in his feelings about Buddy, yeah, I mean, look, they they've been through a lot together. They've been traded together. They they've been on different teams together. Like, there's a lot that goes into that, and I think that every everyone's human. At the end of the day, that trade just happened earlier today, but I do think it is a business. And Tyrese has probably seen quite a few of his friends get traded. He'll see, unfortunately, a few more get traded as time goes on. He's been traded. Not a good feeling. Everyone's entitled for a little bit of time to, you know. Get, get your mind right, and I think that uh, we have a good opportunity moving forward against New York to get back on track because you do want to see the Pacers go into All-Star break with some momentum, and I think that that schedule is very winnable, but we can't see this team regress the way that they're regressing. Alex, the last two games defensively, it's been embarrassing. It, yeah. It's been where the Pacers were in, like, November. You know, we're talking about 129 points given up to Houston, a Houston team without Fred Van Vliet. Talking about 131 to Golden State, no Clay Thompson. It's just like, this This can't happen like this. We can't be, you know, giving up now more points than we averaged when we were atrocious defensively earlier in the year. And the Pacers, I, I don't know who's walking through that door to help us out defensively, but that is not what the Pacers addressed at the trade deadline. So, this uh, this change, it's going to have to come internally. Yeah, they have to look in the mirror, Fachi, and, and just step up and, and play great basketball. We've seen this team reach those levels of really good basketball, and we know they can get there. They're capable of doing it. And and that's what's frustrating is, like, it's an 82-game season, so they're going to have ups and downs, and guys are going to be tired, and I'm sure it's an exhausting day emotionally with everything that happened, and you're looking forward to All-Star Weekend. Like, I, I get everything that's – you know, like Carlisle said, these are men, not machines, right? 
They're not just going to be, oh, plug and play. He's going to shoot this every night. He's going to average this. No, like they're going to have ups and downs. I get that. But I just like what Carlisle said in the postgame press conference to the media. He's been very short, they said, based on the tweets. They asked him about Steph Curry. He said he was making shots, but we got beat by their hard play and our lack of hard play. It was ugly. Very disappointing. Carlisle is ticked off, giving short answers. Doesn't really want to talk about this game because at the end of the day, it was a flat-out embarrassment from his team. And so, you know, whenever that happens, most of the time we've seen this Pacer team bounce back after getting embarrassed. And I'm hoping, like you said, they can start things off with New York, get a little momentum. They've got to play Charlotte on Monday, Toronto on Wednesday. Those are three games they can win, especially with all the injuries piling up with New York now. OG and Anobi out for three weeks with an injury, having surgery. They obviously will have Bojan Bogdanovic probably on the roster at that point. So it could be, you know, like his first game, a lot of excitement in the arena. But Indiana needs to come out there and kind of prove a point that the fluke, it was a fluke against Golden State. They could have beat them last time they played when you were in the building. Like they need to have that kind of like, we've got to get our minds right and, and get that get right game back, Fachi. Because I think at this point, they're uh, they're hanging on to dear life for that sixth spot with Orlando and Miami just waiting to take it from them. Well, they really are. And honestly, this Pacers team, I'm looking at it right now, they've struggled on the road lately. They beat Charlotte at Charlotte. That does not say much. <laughs> then before that, they lost to New York on the road. They lost to Boston on the road. They lost to Phoenix on the road and Portland on the road. They beat the Kings. Then they lost to Utah on the road and Denver. So they've won now, you know, two of their last, I want to say it's uh, eight, two of their eight road games. So they're, they're struggling on the road and you could make up whatever excuses you want to say of, well, Halliburton was out and, you know, Siakam was just trying to get used to his team and this and that, whatever it is. You got to be able to win on the road in the NBA. And we're not even talking about a 500 record. You got to be just a, a very capable team on the road. And you got to play some defense, some mm. defense. The last two games given up 131.5 points per game. That ain't going to cut it. And if you go back a couple games, they gave up 133 to Sacramento. So essentially, you played one good game, one real good game defensively. You held Charlotte below 100 points, which that was the only time you did it this year. Now it looks like a fluke. It looks like a fluke. The last couple of games, the Pacers have not responded, and I just don't know where this regression is coming from because it looked like they had turned a corner. And now I'm, I'm getting a bit fearful. I, I just, you know, it does. it's not like this Pacers team is playing all these young guys where you could say, well, a guy like Benedict Matherin, oh, you know, hey, the all-star break, a longer season, or Jarris Walker. But it's just like, Walker's not playing. Ben Shepard plays a handful of minutes. There are some, you know, not to say veterans, but, you know, guys in their mid-20s that shouldn't be dealing with fatigue at this point. <laughs> but I just hope that they're not, like I mentioned before, looking at to say, hey, you know what, the, the break is within reach. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that. So, I mean, obviously this is one game you just kind of want to move on from. I know when we were talking, we are like, man, there's not much really to be excited about with this game in terms of, in terms of talking about it, but – you know, even we got even we have to talk about the bad games, Fachi, and kind of, of point out the things. So, a lot of other things, like you said, Ben Mather and two of eleven tonight. Not a good game from him at all. Aaron Zero Nisbet boards. Some, One Aaron, Aaron Nisbet yeah. had some nice plays. I mean, that chase down block he had early on, like yeah. you know, it, it felt like the Pacers were kind of hanging around in the first. Like you're hoping, like maybe they just get their foot wet, you know, get their feet wet and figure things out. But you know, I, I thought Nimhard 
was okay. Just a really tough matchup trying to guard Steph. Like that's just brutal. Possible for anybody. He did have two nice threes in the fourth. Those shots looked really good. Uh, Jackson getting some minutes in there for for Jalen Smith, who wasn't able to return. Like those weren't great. He was fine. Uh, Shepard is the big one because. We know McDermott's coming in, right? It'll be interesting to see if it's Shepard or McDermott who gets those minutes. I would lean more McDermott at this point. Um, just because be. I feel like you can't trust Shepard yet. I don't, I don't think they will be able yeah. to fully trust him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. No. And I think that that's an understandable thing because it's just like people like Ben Shepard. You like him in a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there. Could you trust him to play 20 minutes a night? That feels like a lot, especially when I know we knocked down a three tonight, but that's still just one of three. Like we mentioned, you know, uh, earlier in a previous episode that Ben Shepard shooting 27% from three on the season. It's just hard to rely upon him. He played 20 minutes tonight. You know, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals. He did have a block, but like it's hard to count on him to to bring that production. He's learning a lot, which is valuable. And that that's great to see. Um, but overall, I, I just felt that uh this is one of those games that you want to forget. I'm happy that the Pacers held on and took down Houston because this is just hey, it's not a couple losses in a row. 
Pacers had just won two straight, but this was a game that you kind of want to crumple up and throw away. Uh, Jalen Smith, what it's worth, what it's worth, he was the one player that was a positive, and yeah. we obviously talked about how he didn't come back. So it's like, hey, you know what? You talked about hanging around. The Pacers had it within two or three points with about two or so minutes to go in the first half, and and Gold State just, I mean, that second half they just really pushed away. Uh, they pushed ahead while the Pacers were just kind of treading water a bit. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. So, gonna wrap that game up. Not gonna say too much. I believe Chad Buchanan is talking with the media after tonight's game about the moves that were made. And Tony East just tweeted this Fadji, and he said that he asked Pacers GM Chad Buchanan about Tyrese Halliburton's involvement with the trade deadline, and he said, uh, including sending away someone he's close with, close with and healed. And this was Buchanan's answer. He said that Tyrese was aware of the moves and understands the business side. Halliburton believes in the long term planning. So. If anybody was speculating whether or not Tyrese knew what was happening, I think he did know, and I think that yeah. just kind of confirms it, but it still does not take away from the emotional impact that will have on a guy. So at least he was aware, at least he understood, at least he's on board with the franchise. Obviously, he's locked up for the next five years anyway. I, I think that all along Tyrese knew this could be a possibility at some point this season, but you know, that's that's the tough part of the business. But I really appreciate Tony asking that question and then Chad giving such a thoughtful answer. No, that, that is great. And I just feel that the way that they've had Tyrese involved in all these major decisions, it would have been shocking to hear that Tyrese was blindsided by trading Buddy Heald. I think that the Pacers have truly, you know, from just about day one, looked at Tyrese differently than how they've handled it with stars in the past. And they, they've really, you know, I, I think had an open line of communication. And I think that this was not a shocker by any means. I mean, we even heard Buddy Heald made some comments. I saw a tweet that was out there of saying, you know, hey, we'll just have to wait and see what happens today. Like he, It definitely felt that the talks with Philly had been heating up over the last 24 to 48 hours. And the Pacers front office, I think maybe more than any other team out there, has done a great job of openly telling their players that, hey, they very well could be traded or even trying to find destinations that would work out for those players. So, you know, I would be shocked if Buddy said, hey, I never saw this coming or anything of that sort. So I think that the front office did what they could to um, treat Buddy and every other Pacer like a human being, not just uh, an asset. Yeah, a few more quotes here from Chad Buchanan. This is from our uh, one of our former co-hosts, Fachi Tyler Smith, who Ooh. was with us from the first year. Yep. Uh, but he said, in regards to Doug McDermott from Buchanan, we're trying to maximize this season, but we want to put ourselves in a position to be great for a long time. Says that Doug McDermott back uh, helps offset some of what they lost with Buddy. And then he talked a little bit about Pascal Siakam. So I think this is worth bringing up. He said, you trade for somebody that you want to be here long term. Our goal when we attained him was to be a long-term piece with us, and that is still the goal. Very optimistic about him being a piece for us moving forward. So that does shed some light on, like, you know, they they kind of already made their big move earlier in January. We talked about that on this podcast a few days ago. So you get Pascal Siakam here. You, you make a tough decision with Buddy Hill, but you bring back a familiar face in Doug McDermott. Uh, we previously did a podcast earlier after the deadline, didn't get the full details, but they did wave. Furkan Korkmaz and Corey Joseph. So they've brought back James Johnson since then. So they still have an open roster spot, Fachi. A lot of optionality here for the Pacers moving forward. But I think that 
you know, not a whole lot of damage was done today besides trading away Buddy Hill basically for Doug McDermott and picking up some cash and some picks along the way. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt like the second we finished that episode, Corey Joseph was was on his way, and it was just like, wow, like what do like we do? Twenty now? minutes after, I know. And then uh, obviously with Cork Maz, that came a little bit later. I was I was doing a radio interview. I was wrapping up, and they were like, "Well, it was good talking with you." I said, "Yeah, just so you know, as we're recording this, Furk on Cork Maz just got waved as well." So it's quite the timing for me today. Life comes at you quick, and it made me already looking back of how many. Pacers there were this year that never got to suit up between, uh, you know, Kyra Lewis Jr., um, Marcus Morris, uh, you know, Cork Maz, uh, Corey Joseph. Those are quite a quite an amount of players that were used as pieces to be able to facilitate trades. And I think it just shows how crafty the front office has gotten mm -hmm. to be able to, to make these acquisitions and then quickly turn around and make another move. Um, but yeah, bringing back James Johnson, it, it's just something that it's like, you can't keep this man out of the, out of this, this team. I love it. It's every time James Johnson, like the agreement that they have is, is unlike what feels like anything in the NBA. It's like, <laughs> Hey, look, we're going to let you go know. anywhere else. Exactly. But it's like, look, you're going to technically be off the team for about four hours. Is that all right? It's got sure. Like, you know, like, like that's how it keeps going. It's you, yeah. you never like feel that someone else is going to take him, but you know that he's always down to do whatever it takes for us to be able to facilitate a deal. I love that type of relationship that they have going. And I'm very happy that he's with Indiana. You still have an open roster spot. And at this point you imagine he's here to stay for the rest of the season. Yeah, they signed him to a deal that'll be here for the rest of the year. So there's no doubt about it. He'll be here. But they still have an open roster spot. And Chad Buchanan said that they want to have flexibility to look at somebody else. So that does put into question, who could those people be, Fachi? I know there's been some names out there that got, you know, waived today. And so I think just bringing those up could be very interesting. So I'm going off of a Jake Fisher article here. But here are some buyout options. I'm just going to throw some names out at you. Tell me if any of them stick out to you. Spencer Dinwiddie, Kyle Lowry, Joe Harris, Thaddeus Young, Otto Porter. Uh, he did mention Marcus Morris. Don't think that's going to be one since we just traded him. Uh, Bismack Biombo, Danny Green, and Rudy Gay. Any names stick out to you? I mean, obviously from a sentimental standpoint, you know, Thad Young, I don't know how many 2017, 2018 Pacers we could really bring back at this time. But... <laughs> Only got only brought one back, so I, I yeah, at this point, but I mean, there was Doug, there was Corey Joseph. I mean, all of a sudden, <laughs> that it's like we're living in the past here. Um, if we didn't have a uh, like a true veteran, then Thad would be awesome, but I, I just don't know what he would be contributing to the Pacers on the court, uh, this year. You look at Danny Green, Danny Green's obviously a, a champion, he's a really good three point shooter. Um, I know he was coming off of an injury uh, this year that really kind of you know wrecked his season. Um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, it has, okay. So he played technically in October. He had two appearances. That's it since so I, I really don't know. And maybe he's just looking to sign with like a championship contender, but for some of the other names, like Spencer Dinwiddie, I, I don't have any interest. Um, obviously Marcus Morris, we don't see that happening. Bismack Biombo, I don't see that happening. I mean, you look at this list, uh, Dino Garanari was another player that was oh, brought yeah. out. What about Gallo? Um, Gallo. I, I mean, I my ears perked up at one point. Could you see it happening? I, I don't know. I mean, he's been a good player in this league. Yeah. What do you think? 
I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know what they need. I mean, Joe Harris is a name that sticks out too, because he's still relatively young, I believe, right? Or seen his thirties. He's probably about 30. Okay. Uh, I think he kind of, a couple of years ago for Brooklyn, really good player. Yeah. He just didn't really have much of a role with Detroit this year. And, uh, so he's actually uh, 32 years old. Okay, I thought he was older than I expected him to be. So, yeah, that's probably a no since you've already got McDermott. They're kind of the same yeah, player. I agree. I agree. I do think Thaddeus Young makes a little bit of sense just because he's more of a defensive-minded guy. Maybe you trust him over an Obi Toppin at some point. Possible. Really good locker room guy. Doesn't yeah. really shoot the ball well, though, so that's probably a, a problem. I thought Rudy Gay retired. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that. I mean, Rudy's maybe I missed that around for quite some time. Um, so actually, Rudy Gay has not played this year. Yeah, so, yeah. So maybe he's just like, yeah, just hanging out. Um, you know, waiting to be signed potentially. But yeah, he was. He's not on an NBA roster. Has not played this year. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely look into more buyout candidates as we get further along with this. But I just thought that everything that happened today was kind of crazy, and I. You know, go back and forth in terms of like, do I understand this trade? Do I not? And the more and more I think about it, Fachi, I know it was a tough business decision. And I know that getting those second round picks is going to maybe help in the future. But how much is it going to help? Is it going to make that drastic of a difference that basically losing Buddy Hill for Doug McDermott it was worth it? Or was it was it would it have been smarter to just hang on to Buddy till till the summer? Maybe give him a taste of the playoffs. Maybe you have success in the playoffs. Maybe he realizes he really likes it here, doesn't want to leave, and he can look past the money a little bit and take a bit of a pay cut, re-sign here. I don't know. I I, I mean, I'm sure they exhausted all those options there, Fox, before making this deal, but I just keep thinking in my head, did the Pacers make a decision on moving Buddy Hill for basically a lesser version of him, and is it going to come back and bite them in the butt? I don't know. It's very possible. After a loss, it's very easy to say. You know, if we won, I think we could say, hey, you know what? We're going to be just fine. Throw Doug McDermott on this team. You know what? We won't skip a beat. You know, now we could see, hey, all right, well, let's see what happens locker room-wise. You know, obviously, we talked about earlier, hey, buddy, very well-liked, just a, a good teammate that, you know, now on this team, I mean, there's not many Pacers that have been on this team, honestly, longer than Buddy Heald. It's just there, there's been a lot of turnover on this roster. So, um, we'll find out, but it all depends on what's that next move. Who do you sign with an open roster spot? Because yeah, if in the end it's just Doug McDermott and the Pacers kind of fizzle out, then you could say, you know what? They probably should have just kept it going. And, and maybe I guess he walks for nothing, but we'll see. We'll see. We really got to see what they do in the buyout market, what they do with that cash. Do they Come draft time, be a little bit more aggressive. What do they do with that Toronto second round pick? Does that maybe does does that cash and that pick and something else turn into something? We'll see. Because I remember last year uh, during the draft when the Pacers made that trade with the Nuggets, it was like, what? They just traded for a, a first round pick next year, and then the Pacers end up using that pick in the Pascal Siakam deal. That worked out. Now look mm. at that pick. Now the Clippers and the Thunder. Those are two of the top teams in the West. That pick might end up being like 28th, 29th, maybe 30th. Who knows? Yeah. So I think the Pacers ended up, sometimes it takes a while to see if these moves were worth it or not. Right now, a lot of questions, not enough answers. All right, Fachi. Well, if you want a little bit of hope, let's end the show with this. 
Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports was really doing a great job on everything. And I was laughing because he listed like a couple of different names that could be potential suitors or the Bucks could be suitors of. And then they make the trade for Patrick Beverly. And he was like, of the dozen names that I heard, Patrick Beverly was not one of them. So it is kind of funny, like what kind of information actually gets leaked? How real is it? How old is it? What is the relevancy of it? But he did report this today. And I'm just going to read what he said. And this was a post trade deadline article and kind of looking at what could be uh, to come in the off season. So he said, Buddy Heald was on an expiring contract with the Pacers after rejecting a significant extension from Indiana this past fall, league sources told Yahoo Sports. With the incoming cost of Pascal Siakam's next deal, the ability to pay Heald became an even greater question mark for the Pacers' build, sources said. Now, Philadelphia will get the chance to retain Heald with the mountain of cap space the Sixers will have at their disposal this summer. If that marriage goes as planned, that would potentially eliminate the Sixers as a potential suitor for Nuggets swingman Contavious Caldwell-Pope, whom league personnel had pegged as a possible target for Philadelphia once his contract expires in Denver after this campaign. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. The Sixers have loftier goals as well, just like New York. As the weeks have passed since Kawhi Leonard's extension in L.A., where the Clippers all-star told reporters he was of the mind. Paul George's next deal was coming next. Before Harden's this offseason, there have been growing whispers not only of Philadelphia's eye toward George, but also George's own intrigue by returning to Indiana and becoming the latest running mate for Tyrese Halliburton alongside Pascal Siakam. Fachi, we heard a little bit of rumblings before about Paul George having interest in the Pacers. Now they've got Siakam. Now they've got Halliburton locked up. I know that George is getting up there in age, but man, if Paul George is interested in coming back to Indiana, what a storybook moment this would be for the franchise. I got I got goosebumps. I really do. Kind of gives me the chills. Like I was such a massive, massive Paul George fan. I think just like everybody was. I mean, it just felt like the best talent, may arguably the best talent that Indiana ever had. If he had stayed as a pacer, anything was possible with Paul George. To be able to come full circle and bring him back, but with a team that truly feels that they could contend. And when I say contend, I mean Tyrese Halliburton, Paul George, Pascal Siakam, and then, you know, you fill out the rest of the roster with what we have right now. I mean, that is extremely exciting. And I, I'm just, I'm sitting here right now trying not to get ahead of myself. But if there is an opportunity to somehow have Paul George not only just retire as a Pacer, but while the team's good and he still has a lot of talent left, that's something I feel like you got to go after. And it will be interesting to see what kind of salaries they can do to match up with George. It'll have to be a sign and trade with the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we'll get into all of that as the time gets closer to it, but that will be a very interesting challenge. And it's like, what players are you going to have to give up to get him? And will it be worth giving up all those players? That's going to be a big question mark. And right now with how the salary looks, the biggest salary filler on the team is that expiring contract of Miles Turner. So that's you're probably going to have to include him in that deal just to give people a heads up unless you're wanting to part with Neesmith, McConnell, and a bunch of different players that equal that salary. It's just going to get messy. So you're going to probably have to include Turner's expiring contract just to get Paul George in a sign and trade 
which does that, you know, you can probably replace what Turner does better than replace what bringing Paul George does. Right. So, I mean, yeah, that's a fair statement to say, but not going to be easy. And I think the Pacers are just going to have to keep their op- options open. We know that this year is not championship or bust. This is just another year of kind of the rebuild, the development of getting this team to the playoffs. But they're going to make the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. If they miss the playoffs somehow, that'll be just absolutely crazy and a complete complete crumble that shouldn't happen. But I think they make the playoffs, Fachi. It's just a matter of where they get into the playoffs at and good opportunity for them just to kind of grow internally and see what they got with this core moving forward and reassess after the season. Yeah. I mean, it it would stress anyone out trying to craft up a trade for Paul George at this moment. I just feel that Indiana's thin on the draft picks. Anything would have to involve you would imagine that 2028 first rounder, uh, obviously Turner and, and so on. So that is a pod for another day, but for, for now, look, our expectations come coming into the season where it felt like so much lower than what they are now because you see how this roster has improved. And sometimes it's easy to get carried away and look at it and say, no, 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 we can definitely be a top six seed. But my mind would be blown if the Pacers somehow did not make the playoffs. I feel that they have the talent to do it. They can make it happen. This roster could still get better with the open spot. Uh, Anything is possible right now. Yes, we lost to Golden State. No, the sky is not falling. I think this team just probably is starting to look a little bit tired. I'm very happy that, look, if you can win against the Knicks, you can definitely take care of business against Charlotte and the Raptors. So I think that we might be having a totally different outlook just about one week from now. So let's just be able to move on from this game Be able to say, hey, you know what? This is a Golden State team that has one of the best players that ever played the game, and he showed that tonight. (laughs) And sometimes one player can make that big of a difference. And tonight, Steph Curry made that difference. It is what it is, and you know what? Hey, just appreciate greatness while it's still there in front of you because tonight was one of those times that I I sat back in awe of Steph Curry, and I'm allowed to do that maybe once a year. I'm happy we, uh, we got Golden State out of the way. Yeah, we'll see him again in March. Maybe we'll get some revenge on him, Fachi. But I will say two years ago, the Pacers, I felt better as a fan two years ago after they made the trade for Tyrese Halliburton than I did today (laughs) after the day they had. So obviously two years ago was a much more celebratory day. This day, not the greatest day in Pacers history, but it's just one of those days you got to move on from and look forward to the next game. But Fachi, with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap this one up and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. We can find most of our video recaps there, but this one will not be on there. We had some camera technical difficulties but have no fear i'm putting up our trade deadline reaction podcast on there so you guys will be able to watch that Um, for those of you listening to the audio thank you so much please leave us a five-star rating and review on spotify and on apple it really does mean a lot when we get those five-star rating and reviews i've said it a few times now but we are 70 reviews away from getting to 400 so tell your friends tell your neighbors tell your co-worker tell a random stranger on the street hey go to apple podcast Check out Setting the Pace. Give them a five starting interview. Love that show. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited for the Pacers to get back to their winning ways against the New York Knicks, 
then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.